Our reading today is from Matthew 6, and there will be underlined portions on the screen behind me when we get there, if you want to read those with me. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. You'll read this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. It's great to see you, especially if this is your first time. Uh, we're really glad you are here. Um, quick question as, as we get into this. I want to know how many of you uh, know the, uh, the meaning of your first name? Like show of hands, just how many of you could say this is what my first name means? Half-ish, maybe a little bit over half. Uh, you know, it's interesting, we don't really make that big of a deal of our, our names, the meaning of our names in, uh, in this country and in this culture. Um, for me, I, I never really knew a whole lot about my name. My name is Jeremy. It comes from Jeremiah. Uh, over the winter, I did a study in the book of Jeremiah and uh, read through the book slowly and with a commentary and trying to, to, to understand not just for this reason, but why Jeremiah was named that, why he, he you know, how he fits into God's story. And uh, his, his name means the Lord does, or the Lord wills, or the Lord exalts. But, but the Lord is at the center of his name, Yahweh, that Hebrew name for God. I am who I am. And in, in the scriptures, a, a name is incredibly important. It's, it's not like the way it is in our, our culture today. Um, but a name is, is the, the core of your being, your, your essence. It's your reputation um, when you name a, a child in the scriptures, it was pronouncing a very specific blessing over their life. To, to curse somebody's name in the scriptures is to pronounce judgment and, and condemnation and rejection over them. And so a name is not just a name, it's, it's the core of who this person is and what we know about them. So that begins to make sense of some of the, the popular phrases or important phrases in the scriptures. The one that we're looking at this morning in our series on the Lord's Prayer, it's hallowed be your name. Not just hallowed are you, Lord, but hallowed be your name. And if you back up to the Psalms, we often see something like praise the name of the Lord. Not just praise the Lord, but praise the name of the Lord. And if you back it up even further in the Ten Commandments, uh, one that I think is often misunderstood, but it's thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Growing up, I went to a, a Christian school, Christian high school, and, and they would teach this uh, commandment uh, basically to, to just not say, oh my God, when you like trip and fall down or somebody startles you. It was like, if you say OMG, then you will certainly be going to hell or at least 
detention for sure. But there's a lot more to that command to not take the name of the Lord in vain. In vain or vanity, that means appearances. Don't, don't use the name of the Lord for your own appearances. Don't use the name of the Lord. Don't use his word. Don't use his, his people, his church in a way that only glorifies or makes you look better, but really has nothing to do with your relationship with the Lord himself. And so we see examples of this in our culture. I think we saw an example of, of our own president doing something like this when he, he moved a crowd out of the way just to get a, a photo op with a Bible in a church. Uh, we see politicians do this all the time, using uh, the Bible as a prop, using churches as a platform, simply to, to forward some kind of political message. The reality is that there's a risk for all of us to do that in our own lives, to, to use the Bible, use Christianity, use the name of the Lord for appearances, for, for our own sake or reputation. And so when Jesus is teaching on prayer, before we reach the famous part of the Lord's Prayer, the, the Our Father, he says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who pray to be seen by others. Vanity. In other words, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, but instead pray, hallowed be your name, or, or holy be your name. Uh, the word hallowed, simply, it's, it's from the King James, ver- King James Version. It's kind of a holdover of the word holy. There's, there's not really a better word for it. I don't think I like hallowed. I like some of the old language in the scriptures. But to hallow the name of the Lord means to, to lift it up, to exalt it, to, to rightly estimate it and, and, and announce it, to identify with it, even to meditate upon it, to live. Hallowed be your name. And so everything in the Lord's Prayer, it's not simply meant to be prayed, it's meant to be lived. Now, personally, I'm, I'm thankful that, that the Lord doesn't uh, go Acts 12 on us when we take the name of the Lord in vain. You know, Acts 12, where Herod doesn't give glory to God and suddenly he falls and he's covered and eaten by worms. Like if every time a politician used the name of the Lord in vain, that happened, that would, we'd have some crazy headlines all the time. Thankfully, that doesn't happen, but we are uh, prone to, to not estimating the name of the Lord properly. So what does it mean to hallow the name of the Lord? That's what we're looking at this morning. And in particular, three things, praise or worship. The second thing is contemplative prayer. I'll, I'll explain that more as we get into it. And then the third thing is, is actually hallowed living, not just hallowed prayer, but hallowed living. And so the first thing is praise. In this prayer, as we've said, there are six petitions or six requests in the Lord's Prayer. And the very first one is, hallowed be your name. It's the one that sets up all the other petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus leads off with this, as the scriptures often do, as a way of calling us to worship right from the very beginning. That we begin from a posture of praise and worship. In saying, hallowed be the name of the Lord, there's both a truth and a call to action. The truth is that God and his name is holy, is set apart, is sanctified, is glorious. And as a result, the call to action for us is to praise his name, elevate, honor, identify with his name. J.I. Packer, a theologian, says about this phrase, lesson one is to grasp that God matters infinitely more than we do. God matters more than we do. And if that's lesson one, lesson two, the call to action is that we must reorient our entire lives around that truth. We reorient our lives around the holiness and the greatness and the goodness of God. 
We say like Psalm 115, not to us, but to your name be the glory. We're so hardwired for, for praise and worship. Every one of us, we, we want to praise and we want to worship. You know, every time somebody has a baby, I think for the last 10 or 15 years, it's immediately gone on social ma- media. You can't have a baby, this cute little baby, and, and not want to share it with the world. Immediately, one of the first things we did was have a, a photographer come in and, and take pictures of, of this beautiful little baby. Grandparents, I had a grandparent recently, I forget where it was, it was like a grocery store or something. We were in line, she was like, do you want to see a picture of my grandbaby? It's like, not really, but <laughs> you're going to show me anyways, it doesn't matter. So I was like, okay, that's great. Uh, whenever we see something that, that our hearts are attached to, the joy in it's not really complete until we go and we share that with somebody else. You know, there was somebody on my cycling team this week, incredible accomplishment, uh, really impressive ride. I'm not going to go into all the details. He's super humble, so he's not going to like describe it in his Sunday sermon or anything like that, but really was an impressive thing. I'm, now I'm afraid like God's going to strike me down with worms. But anytime we, we do something, we want to share it. Anytime we see you stand at the edge of an ocean or a canyon, you, you can't feel big in yourself. Looking at a beautiful baby, you don't feel like this, this is just a random collection of, of atoms and molecules. Now, all this stuff drives us to praise and to worship God, to, to say or at least to think, hallowed be your name. So often we are moved to prayer in our lives, and it's not just those who are Christians, but even non-Christians will, will discover themselves praying at times. Uh, there's a show called Ozark. Um, not that I watch it, certainly don't endorse all of it. Um, but at the end of the first episode, Marty Bird, who's just kind of an awful human being, he pulls his car off on the side of the road. His whole life is collapsing. He runs out into the woods and falls on his knees, sobbing and says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he's praying. Maybe you've been on a Zoom call the last couple of weeks and the presenter's got 40 people waiting on them and they're trying to get the technology to work and they're saying, please let this work, please let this work, please let this work. It's prayer. Every one of us, we're hardwired for prayer, for praise. And in saying, hallowed be your name, we're turning our, our hearts up to where they belong, to where they belong. We're saying, God, be who you are, not who we want you to be. Be the God that, that you are. Be the Lord, not just our own version of you. Hallowed be your name, not our own name. May your kingdom come, not our kingdom. May your will be done, not ours. And so one of the most tangible ways to, to praise God and to hallow God's name on a regular basis is what I call contemplative prayer. This is prayer that is a, a slow moving and a, and a deep form of prayer. I imagine when Jesus was, was teaching the Lord's Prayer and multiple times that he taught it, he didn't rush through it. He didn't, uh, you know, as Pastor Casey said last week, pray it like a football team does before they go out the tunnel. You know, our Father, our in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you know and then just run out there. I've thought a lot, I even thought about doing a whole message just on, on the silence of the Lord's Prayer, the, the spaces between the words and the phrases and the lines. Perhaps Jesus moved so slowly when he taught, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so contemplative prayer is it's conversation with God that's primarily marked by silence and by listening. It's typically done in solitude. This is the, the kind of go into your room and, and close the door where no one can see you type of prayer. And personally, I consider this the heart of prayer or, or the highest form of prayer where we can actually be still before the Lord and, and you might even use fewer words than you normally would. It can include worship. It include, can include petition, asking God for certain things. It can include thanksgiving and, and any number of different forms of prayer. And I know for, for some of you, you, you might say that sounds a little new agey. You know, meditation is, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. Uh, and I would just say what, what Christianity has said for ages is, is this isn't new agey. This is, this is old agey. This is old testimony. You know, this is the Psalms lay out for us contemplative, meditative prayer over and over and over again. Jesus, we see removing himself from the crowds, removing even from the disciples so that he could pray in private. There's a Catholic writer, Martin Laird, who said, said this, wrote it in a book. We are built for contemplation. It is the subtlest, simplest, most searching of the spiritual practices. Communion with God in the silence of the heart is a God-given capacity, like the flower's capacity to bloom, the birds for flight, the child's for self-forgetful, abandon and joy. God is our homeland, and the homing instinct of the human being is homed on God. As St. Augustine put it, we must fly to our beloved homeland. There the Father is, and there is everything. And so we were made to sit in God's presence, to sit in silence, to sit alone, and, and yet not be alone at all, but be in the fullness of the presence of God. It's one of the hardest things to do to push through the, the distraction, the, the inner chatter, all the different things that come flying into our minds when we finally still them just a little bit. But when we do, we find these words becoming our own. Father, you are so good. Your name is great. Be glorified in this place. Be glorified in me. In solitude or, or being alone for little bits of the day, it shows our, our hearts and minds to be shaped more by our identity in Christ than our, our identity or our status or reputation in the world. Silence keeps us from being suffocated by just all the words, all the images, all the things in our world and our culture that, that press in on us. Silence gives us a moment to simply be with God. And so when we, when we look at our lives objectively from the outside, I think we see so much hurry. I see in my own life so much hurry. There are so many things to do, so many people to meet, so many events to attend, programs to, to be at, uh, you know, projects to accomplish, goals to reach. And for me, I, I can move with such constant activity that I don't even stop and ask, is this even worth doing? Silence and, and solitude allows us to, to reset, to, to think, to reflect. And I think church can be like this too. So many events, so many meetings, so many projects, so many resources, so much content going out. Even a, a moment alone in the church, a, a moment of silence in a church service, usually it's only because of some kind of tech issue and then you scramble as fast as you can to end it. But even in our, our church worlds, we're, 
we're addicted to movement, to activity, to progress. But I think this could be more of a secular influence than a Christian one. Now, why do we do all this? Why do we consume ourselves with activity? We worry about our reputation and our status. And I think it's because all of these things give us a, a measurable sense of self. Now, this is some kind of deeper work, so just hang on with me for a minute. But our, our job titles, our relationships to, to people of influence, the places where we graduated from, the amount of money in our bank account, the, the status that we have in an organization or a social group, all of these things are, are external to who we are as a person, external to how God the Father sees us. These things are so appealing because they're measurable success indicators in our world. And they're ways for us to tell ourselves that we are okay, that our, our lives matter, that, that, that our lives are not in vain. We can say, here, look at these things. Look at the, the house or the car or whatever it is, whatever that you know, success indicator is for us. Something measurable, something tangible. And in prayer, we really lose all of that. That's what's so hard about it. You lose all these externals and it's just you and God. There's, there's, no, you know, there's no status. You're, you're not an expert in prayer. All those externals are stripped away and yet you can remember who you actually are in Christ. Henry Nouwen, who's uh, kind of one of the patron saints of this little church plant, he wrote, Who am I? I am the one who is liked, praised, admired or disliked, hated, and despised. If being busy is a good thing, then I must be busy. If having money is a real sign of freedom, then I must claim my money. If knowing many people proves my importance, I will make the necessary contacts. The compulsion manifests itself in the lurking fear of failure and the steady urge to prevent this by gathering more of the same, more work, more money, more friends. And so how do we break free of these compulsions? How, how do we get comfortable without all the externals? And I think it's through silence and solitude and through prayer. And I would recommend if you're interested in reading more on contemplative prayer, Henry Nouwen's book, The Way of the Heart, is probably my, my favorite place to begin. It's like 80 pages. But prayer, sitting in silence by yourself, it's the, the furnace of transformation. It's, it's the place where real change happens. And I say furnace because it's, it's uncomfortable. There are things that are, are melted away. You know, the furnaces exist often to, to melt some kind of metal, to, to purify it from all the impurities that are within it. The things that aren't true to that metal are, are moved to the outside or moved to the top or the bottom. It's a way of purifying our hearts before the Lord and it, and it often feels like heat. It feels like pressure. You don't necessarily feel like it's a pleasant thing all the time to just sit in the presence of God, to have all these thoughts coming into your mind. But it's interesting. It's, it's ironic, really. The place of, of the most important work in our lives, it's, it's not really our work. It's not even really our, our families or our relationships. It's in private. It's God's work in our own souls. One of the most important places we, we go in our lives, it's, it's sitting quietly in a chair with the door closed. It's on our knees with our eyes shut, silence with an open Bible. 
And it's easy for me to, to object to myself and say, but there's, there's so much to do. There's so much brokenness in the world. There are unreached people groups. There are churches to start and, and ministries to do. Why would we just sit in a room like that, especially for an extended period of time? And I think this is one of the great dangers in, in the Western church right now. It's something that we've gotten backwards. The prayer is just this little asking for blessing at the beginning or end of, of this great work that we are doing on our own, in our own strength. But we're asking for a little bit of a blessing for this, this work that we are actually going to carry out in ourselves. It's backwards. The, the work that we actually do is tiny compared to the power of prayer, what God can do in and through us in a spiritual, supernatural way. There's so much activity in the church and so little power. And this is why we pray from solitude. We have something to offer to other people and in relationship. In silence, we actually have something to say, something to speak to others. And in prayer, when we move forward from prayer, we're doing so with the heart and the mind of Christ himself. And so if you're looking for a way to, to begin, the only sort of application I'll give you today, thing to do, I, I know it is so hard to sit quietly before the Lord. How I would encourage you to begin is by journaling, in prayer journaling, writing out some of your prayers, taking, taking time in, in the scriptures and prayer, whether it's 10 minutes or five minutes or 30 minutes, doesn't really matter. But journaling still counts as contemplative prayer, even if you're writing it out. I think that's one of the best ways to protect against distraction. I know it's really worked in my own life. So you maybe you read a couple verses, pause and reflect. You write a couple notes and then pause and reflect. You, you write out a couple prayers and then sit and listen. Maybe read a couple more verses and then sit and listen. But like the Psalms, you're, you're doing so full of, of pauses and full of silence. You know, Selah in the Psalms, it, it just means pause or, or wait. And then the next verse starts again. Henry Nouwen talks about the difference between an empty silence and a full silence. And this is a full silence in prayer. It's not just the absence of noise, but it's, it's the presence of something. It's, it's the presence of silence. I don't even know if that makes sense. It's not just a lack of noise, but it's something full in itself. And so 10 minutes a day of this, I think, will change your life. And doing so for, for 10 years will probably change the lives of all the people around you. As you can now step out into the world full of the Spirit, full of God's Word on your mind. We breathe God's presence in in prayer, and then we breathe out God's love in service. If we're not breathing in, we'll have very little to breathe out in love to the world. And so the very last thing, and it's pretty, pretty quick, what does hallowed living look like? Not just praying hallowed be your name, but what does it look like to live hallowed be your name? And what I want to emphasize is not our own hallowed living, but Jesus's. The fact that Jesus lived the, the perfect hallowed be your name kind of life that we could never live ourselves. Remember, Mark 1 tells us that, that Jesus would sneak away early in the morning and go to a secluded place and pray. Before he began his public ministry, he went 40 days in the wilderness, fasting and praying in preparation for his work. When he was facing his own death, death he went deep into the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed on his knees. 
And then even on the cross, as, as his body was collapsing, as his lungs were collapsing, as his heart was being torn apart, he prays even still. The scriptures show us seven sayings from the cross and four of them are, are prayers. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Intercession. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lament. It is finished, a prayer of faith. And then, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, a prayer of dedication. And all of these are basically forms of the same prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer is hard. It's demanding. It, it requires boldness for us to pray it at all. But we can rest in the good knowledge that, that we don't have to perfectly live hallowed be your name because Christ has already done it in our place. He's the only one who has ever perfectly lived the life of holiness. And what happens is we often talk about what's called the great exchange is that, that our sin gets transferred onto Christ on the cross and as he dies and is buried, it's his perfect righteousness, his hallowed living that's transferred to us. And so now that sin, the penalty of that, the, the wages of sin that's death, it's not put on us anymore. It was put on Christ. And everything that was true of Christ, all of his holiness, all of his perfection, it all gets put on us so that we have nothing held against us before the Father any longer. And in the resurrection, we see Christ rising because love is always stronger than death. In the cross and resurrection, the, the Lord's prayer is fulfilled. Heaven does come to earth. Heaven breaks through into this place. God's name is hallowed. His kingdom does come. His will is done. It's heaven on earth. And it's because of Christ that we can pray, not in vain, not just for appearances, but as, as beloved sons and daughters, we can pray, hallowed be your name. I want to take a few minutes in, in prayer as we wrap up. And so I invite you just to, to close your eyes. You can keep, uh, just remain seating. Find a, a comfortable place. We pray, Father, Heavenly Father, You are so good. You are so great. Your, your glory goes before You. Lord, teach us to be still in Your presence. Father, we thank You for the many good gifts that You give us. We thank you for the gift of children. We thank you for their, their playfulness and their, and their noise. That, that reminds us of, of how we are your children, that we can, we can come to you with, with no fear of judgment. We can ask for whatever it is that we want. We can ask over and over and over and over. We thank you even for distraction, which reminds us of our great need for you. In the midst of a, a cold and a distracting world, 
when there's so much within our hearts that we don't like, that we don't want to face. Lord, we even say, show us. Show us our sins. Show us the things we don't even know about. Show us not just the sins that we've committed, but the things that we failed to do out of, out of fear or a lack of love. Father, we are so thankful that you sent your son because we confess we would have no hope apart from him. We have not lived perfectly. We have not lived righteously. We have not always pursued justice and mercy and peace. Forgive us. But Lord, we need so much more of your presence in our lives. We pray, come Holy Spirit, Fill me, fill me to fullness, Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fruits of your work, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Father, show us your will, your will for our lives, your will for our church. Enable us to, to follow you truly, even when it goes against our own will or we don't understand or it feels difficult, unpopular. Father, show us what's going on in our hearts, our, our compulsions. When, when anger rises up within us, Lord, show us what's underneath that. When we feel sad and we don't know why, Father, reveal to us our sadness. When we feel anxious and, and nervous but don't understand why, show us the roots of that fear. When we feel happy, even just a fleeting moment of, of happiness because of good weather or, or good friends or good food, allow us to turn that upward and praise you're such a good father. Or teach us to love one another, to serve this city where you have called us and placed us. Father, deepen our roots as a church. Give us the good gift of unity. For all the churches in town, especially those that can't gather as, as we are now, would you bless them with unity and with strength? Lord, we commit our ways to you. Father, enable us to follow you, to become like you. We seek your face. And Father, there's so much more that could be prayed. But for now, we pray in your Son's name. Amen.